As we concentrate that the gifts of the Holy Spirit might function are what the secularist might speak of as the paranormal, let us believe. Let us believe. What do you want to call me a murderer for? I've never killed anyone. I don't need to kill anyone. I think it. I have it here. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Go into the light. Here's Johnny. Please, God. This is God. You still wake up sometimes, don't you? Wake up in the dark. Yeah, the Hi everyone, and welcome. Hello there. We didn't see you there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello. Oh, when did you drop in? Welcome to Hauntings and Homicide. I am one of your co-hosts, Selena, and I am terrified of everything and sleep with a nightlight. And I'm Heather, and I haven't slept in years. This is our third week in our... Spooky season. Uh, spooky season, yeah. which clearly we haven't come up with a name. How are we um, grouping this as? Well, they're masked killers who have never been caught. Yeah. Both open cases, right? Mm-hmm. They're yeah. very similar. So yeah, so far so, we've been really liking spooky season. We've been yeah. liking what we're doing with the our podcast. The last episode was great. During spooky season. This week is um our masked killers episode is that what we're calling sure. it yeah yeah and we got some good things that end out this month we got some good stuff on the horizon oh yeah good stuff is coming but i'm pretty sure neither of us have any plans for the month of november so if our listeners have a case they want us to look into mm-hmm. we did not plan that way. far ahead so yeah if you've got something send it our way yeah why not we're available so slide into those dms shall we Shall we? You want to go? Shall we begin? You want to talk about? We are going to attempt to cover two pretty large cases in one episode. So I kind of slimmed this down as much as possible. Um, It is still an open case. And I think I know who did it, but... Mm. Yeah. Why don't you tell the class what you're doing? All right. So today we're talking about the Zodiac Killer. Which was always interesting to me because there is a tiny, small connection to Riverside. So I always think that's really cool. Oh yeah, you mentioned that in the other one Mm -hmm. about Riverside. So it all started on December 20th, 1968. Betty Lou Jensen and David Faraday were on their first date. At 10.15, David had parked his mother's car in a gravel turnout known as Lover's Lane. And by 11 o'clock, they were found dead by Stella Borges, who lived nearby. What they were able to determine was a car must have pulled up next to the couple. The killer exited his car and started walking towards the couple's car and demanding that they get out. Betty Lou had exited the car first, and while David was exiting the car, the killer shot him in the head. This caused Betty to try to run, but she was gunned down and shot five times. Then the killer drove off. The Solano County Sheriff's Department investigated the crime scene, but had no lead. Now moving on to attack two. So just before midnight on July 4th, 1969, Darlene Farron and Michael Magoo drove to Blue Rock Springs Park in Vallejo, about four miles away from her first murder in Lover's Lane. 
While the couple was parked, a second car drove next to them and immediately turned back around and left. About 10 minutes later, the car came back and parked behind the couple. The driver walked out of his car with a flashlight and a pistol. The killer flashed the light in front of their faces and then shot five times. The couple got hit. And some of the shots went through Michael and hit Darlene. Ew. And that's sad. Ew. Ugh. The killer started to walk away until he heard Michael moan in pain. He then walked back and shot them two more times before finally driving off. The next day, a man called into the Vallejo Police Department and claimed responsibility for the attack. He also took credit for the attack at Lover's Lane six months earlier. The police were able to trace the call. It was made at a phone booth at a gas station, which happened to be a few blocks away from the police station and three-tenths of a mile away from Darlene's house. So, Darlene was pronounced dead at the hospital, but Michael had survived the attack, even after being shot in the face, neck, and chest. Michael described the attacker as a 26 to 30-year-old, weighing 195 to 200 pounds, being about 5 foot 8 inches, a white male with light brown curly hair. Hmm. So, now we finally have some idea. So, he wasn't masked? In a second. Okay. That is attack number three. Oh, okay. So yes, he'd he's started... still evolving right now. Okay. On August first, nineteen sixty-nine, the killer prepared three almost identical letters, and they were sent to the Vallejo Times, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the San Francisco Examiner. The letters took credit for the killings that happened, and also contained one third of a four hundred and eight symbol. Cryptogram. 408? 408 symbol. Cryptogram. No, thank you. I'm not even fucking smart enough for the owning. Like, I can't speak, apparently. I definitely do not have the time to then create a... I can't. Imagine having that much time on your hands. Like, I'm going to create my own language. Let me go kill people, Mm. and then let me create a language on the side. This guy's a fucking nerd. (laughs) Um, he then demanded that the letters needed to be posted on the front page of those newspapers. And if they didn't listen to him, he would go on a killing spree, killing everybody he could in his sight. Jesus. Yeah. So he's just psychotic and wants to kill people. It's fine. It's fine. Get a fucking hobby. (laughs) What have we said? We said... Fucking get Instead a hobby. Of killing people just get a hobby. Yes, that makes sense. Obviously, but people still I, want to kill people. I know it's not like they. Are, he did have a hobby. Their brain is fucking wired. All he had wrong. a hobby. Killing people. Well, in in creating another language, in the cipher. Okay, well, like go, <laughs> go build. <Try> harder. <laughs> go build escape rooms. Try. <laughs> That's what you were made to do. Take your psychosis and fucking use it. For the benefit of all, and make really Are you intricate. saying escape rooms were built by, like, sociopaths? I mean, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't it not say sense. that. A sane person couldn't do that, right? Uh, yeah, you could, but think about how interesting it would be if some... If some nope, not gonna say it. It's for the best. Are you trying just, to say if, like... Ted Bundy created an escape room? No. (laughs) (laughs) I I am absolutely not saying that. So the San Francisco Chronicle posted the letter 
along with the cipher and added a quote from police chief Jack E. Stiltz saying, we're not satisfied the letters were written by a murderer and request that the writer send us a second letter with more information about the attacks. Mm. Right. That was honestly a really smart move. Right? Yeah. Um... So then on August 7th, another letter was sent to the San Francisco Examiner, and it started with, Dear Editor, this is the Zodiac. And that is the first time that we hear him being called by his chosen Of course he named himself name, that. The Zodiac. Of course he did. What are those called? Pseudonames? Pseudo- yeah. It's a alias. It's a moniker. Moniker. It's a... It's a code name. It's a... To make them feel better? Yeah, he's like, I'm the Zodiac. I don't live in my mom's basement making my own language. I'm the Zodiac. Which I'm almost positive he did, in fact, live in his mom's basement. You're lying. I think he did. No I'm trying to remember. I'm trying I to remember totally thought him. I was making that up. Because I watched the movie not that long ago, and I want to say... He just sounds like he lives in his yeah, mom's basement. I want to say it was something like that. The dude, who I think it was, he was a creep, so whatever. When he had written back to them after saying that it was a Zodiac, he actually did give them more details about the shootings, none of which had been made public yet, so they kind of knew he had to then be the real deal. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, a couple from Selena's cracked the cipher and it read, I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all to kill. Mm. Um, sorry, he also wrote it with typos, so it's hard for me to read with the typos. Mm-hmm. Something gives me the most thrilling experience. It is... Even better than getting your rocks off with the girl. The best part of it is that when I die, I will be reborn in paradise. And then I have killed. And then those I have killed will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or stop my collecting of slaves for my afterlife. Okay. Yeah. So he was crazy. And then there's 18 symbols at the bottom that they just couldn't decode. Oh, man. So, no one still has figured out what was at the end of it. But I think it was really cool that it was a couple that figured it out. They literally were just reading the newspaper one morning, and they are like, yeah, that is crazy. we're gonna give it a shot, and I love it. It worked. <clears throat> that sounds some good building relationship blocks. Like, hi, yeah. honey, you wanna decode a cipher together? Like, wow, well, I know how we can spice this up. <laughs> yeah. Let's decode. Yep. So, moving on to attack number three. On September 27th, 1969, Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard were picnicking at Lake Berryessa. A man had approached them wearing a medieval executioner-style hood and had a cross-circle symbol on his chest. He claimed that he had escaped jail and needed the couple's car so he could make it to Mexico because his car was too hot. He then ordered the couple to be tied up And what started out as a weird robbery then turned even worse when the man then stabbed them both. The Zodiac then hiked up to the hill to where Brian's car was and drew the cross circle symbol on his car and wrote Vallejo 12-20-68-7-4-69, September 27-69, 6-30 by knife. So he was going over yet again all of his murders so that they would know it was then him. 
He then called the Napa County Sheriff's Department and answered by saying, I want to report a murder. No, a double murder. And then took credit for the crime. Okay. So, like, almost all serial killers, they're big egomaniacs and Mm -hmm. just want credit for their shit. Mm -hmm. And that's how they almost always get caught. But Mm -hmm. sadly, he didn't. So, Cecilia died two days after the stabbing, but Brian survived and was able to describe what happened to the press. And now, on to our last known actual attack by the Zodiac. On October 11th in Presidio Heights in San Francisco, a man entered a taxi driven by Paul Stein. The man then shot Paul in the head and took his car keys, wallet, and tore a piece from his shirt. Three teenagers saw the crime while it was happening and immediately called the police. The boys got the description wrong and thought it was a black male that had committed the crime. So when the officers patrolled the streets trying to find the suspect, they literally drove right past him. Like, he was walking down the street I and hate the it. cops literally, like... Ain't that how it goes. And that's so shitty. So, they just thought that this was a robbery that had gone wrong and... That quickly changed when the San Francisco Chronicle received another letter from the Zodiac Killer and that chunk from Paul's shirt that was missing, it was in the letter. As like a, hey, this is missing. I got it. Which, he's just crazy. A little bit. Just a little. It's fine. So those are the four murders that are the only confirmed ones by the Zodiac. And there are a few others that are suspected to be done by the Zodiac as well, but none of those have been actually confirmed. One of which is the murder of Sherry Jo Bates, which happened at RCC, which is the same community college I went to to get my cosmetology license. Really? Yeah. Wow. So that case had happened, and I want to say like 63, like it happened way earlier than the, the four that happened. But same thing where she was found murdered and then the Press Enterprise, which is the newspaper out in Riverside, or the Inland Empire, they received a letter from someone stating that they had killed her, but they didn't give a name or anything like that. So he was still kind of, I was going back to that earlier, where like he's still trying to like finesse his like, how he's, he's going to do to, like perfect perfect his, it yeah like he's like sharpening mm-hmm. his yeah because i feel like that happens a lot with serial killers they don't like to claim their first couple ones because they're messy and it's not their best work yeah which i think is just that's gross like it makes me mad yeah, when it's, they, it's hella fucking yeah gross. it's so sad <clears throat> serial killers are gross <laughs> so I'm pretty sure we all know who the Zodiac is. I feel like... I don't know. You don't? No, I'm not familiar with this case anymore. Oh, you're not? Like, it's been so long since I did any research on this case. Yeah. I basically don't remember anything about it, so... So, I'm pretty sure everybody feels like it's Arthur Lee Allen. He... And I feel like the movie Zodiac, which is based off the book, like, they pretty much make you feel like it's him, too, and... Even the police did. Um, he had been investigated by police many times, and they even did a couple of search warrants. Like, throughout, throughout the 20 years that he was alive during the, the deaths or whatever, 
they investigated him seven different times. But just oh. nothing, like, they couldn't get anything to stick. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that they didn't have any clean evidence from the crime, so there was nothing to link him to anything. They had one fingerprint, and it was like a half fingerprint, so that didn't work. So, I think they wanted to pin it on him so bad they just didn't have any factual, like, evidence that it was him. Yeah. But even one of Arthur's friends in 1971 called the police saying that he thinks Arthur is a Zodiac killer because he often talked about his desire to kill people. Like, if your friends are turning you in... Yeah. I think that's pretty sad. Please don't tell anyone the things that I say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine, though, like, if you were just, like, mad at your friend and they were, like... I don't know. They they sh- they showed up late one too many fucking times, and they said something like, "Sorry, I'm late. I I could kill that guy that was that well, was parked in front of me or whatever." And then you're like, "I know." You know what? Fuck you. Did you finish listening to it? Twenty two hours. Mm-hmm. Where they held that against him, how he had said, "Oh, I'm gonna fucking kill everybody." And then the he, voicemail, the voicemail, yeah, because he was like pissed off at his family. He goes, "If I go back in there, I'm gonna fucking kill everybody." Yeah, he said something like that, and well, he didn't kill them, but he did end up he killing did, people. Yeah. So like, I can see why they would like wanna. Dude, and he left that voicemail on his girlfriend's phone, right? Like, yeah. if my boyfriend spoke <laughs> that way, I'd be like, "What the fuck?" Oh, uh... that's the thing. Like, do you call him back and be like, "Hey, honey?" Uh... <laughs> Are you maybe let's planning not murder kill your family? Or should I be concerned? Yeah, right. Yeah, no. But um, like I said, he was always at the center of their investigation, and even after his death in 1992, the police issued another search warrant and seized some prop seized some of his property. But nothing's ever really come of it. So so. He didn't go to jail or anything. He did go to jail. He did go to jail. But it was for um, soliciting lewd acts from a minor. Oh, boy. Um, so, yeah. How long did he go to jail for? It was only a year. Of course it was. And it was like a 12-year-old boy. Of course Even it was. Even though he had been fired from being a teacher for that reason. Um, he's got a lot of weird kind of things with him. Um, you don't say. I'm pretty sure it was him. Okay. Like, I'm almost positive. And is he dead now? He's dead. He uh, died in '92. Uh, that's shitty. Like, that sucks. So another suspect could have been Luis Joseph Myers, who supposedly confessed to being the Zodiac killer to his friend. Now he died before p- police could take his claim seriously, but he had quite a few connections to the case. He attended the same high school as David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen, who were our couple in the Lover's Lane murder. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also allegedly worked at the same restaurant as Darlene Farron. And between 1971 and 1973, when no letters were received by the Zodiac, um, it would kind of make sense because Myers was stationed overseas. So that would explain why there was stop in communication. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a nifty little connection but obviously he had died so we'll never know for sure if that happened or not Mm -hmm. now i think this is kind of interesting because 
I feel like this guy is to blame for apparently all these murders. But some people even think that the Ohio serial killer, Ed Edwards, hmm. could be credited to being the Zodiac killer. Really? I think this is interesting because he supposedly is also linked to um, John Benet Ramsey. Oh, boy. Which is really weird, though, because there's pictures of, like, her in her pageant and, like, he's in the back corner. Ugh. So, I think, could he be crazy enough to maybe have committed all those crimes? Probably. Um, He did live in Northern California at the time of the murders, and his description did resemble that of the Zodiac. And even his daughter hints that he could have been the Zodiac. She said that he was obsessed obsessed with the Zodiac and when the TV was on and they were going over like a new murder that happened, he would yell being like, that's not how it went. It went this way. And that she always thought that was kind of weird. So it's still very much an open case. There really is nothing to kind of come off of. But in March, it was um, in March of last year, they are trying to take DNA evidence off of the stamps. So they're trying mm-hmm. to somehow separate it. Mm-hmm. And they're hoping that they can find the killer that way and kind of in a similar fashion to how they found the Golden State Killer. Mm-hmm. So I think that's super fascinating. I feel like... Yeah. I was just reading a story this morning about another guy that they caught with DNA evidence. But so crazy. Like, like stuff that's years like, ago. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like stuff that's hidden. So it's nice to know that your shit's going to come find you. Season of justice. Because there's no. You're fucked. There's no statute of limitations on. On murder. Murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything else there is. Of course. Which is yeah. bizarre. It's absolute bullshit. But <laughs> murder, no. Nope. It'll go down for it no matter what. Mm-hmm. So. Obviously, for time's sake, I tried to cut this down as much as I could, and there's probably only, like, 10% of the actual case here, but I will give you some recommendations to look into. Um, Zodiac, the movie, which is on Netflix right now, um, go watch it. I feel like it's pretty good. It has Jake Gyllenhaal in it. Who doesn't like watching him? He's a cutie. Um, And then, not to plug another podcast, but because they did, like, a six... No, they did, like, a ten-episode... 10 episode no how does that work what do they call them a season a season but they only focused on yeah i forget what podcasts like that are called like a multi-season something or multi-up i don't know <laughs> but it's called monster the zodiac killer okay and it's a really good po- podcast i've never heard of it so i listened to half of it like six months ago but i never finished it Okay, so I'm going to be covering the Texarkana Moonlight Murders, a.k.a. the Phantom Killer. Which is so much easier to say than the Texarkana Moonlight Murders. Thank you. Okay, so my sources are the town that dreaded sundown.angelfire.com and Wikipedia. Um... <laughs> I can't believe I used an Angel Fire website. I, was gonna I didn't say, know I was that like... that domain still existed. Throwback. Okay, so the year was 1946. 
If you gave your car radio a turn, you'd most likely hear songs like Five Minutes More by Frank Sinatra, Surrender by Perry Como, or Sioux City Sue by Bing Crosby. I like Bing Crosby. Oh yeah, he's amazing. Women may have been making $24 less a week than their male counterparts in similar positions, but damn was the music good. I'm all, isn't that still happening? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, at this point, like, just like, they're probably like, you're lucky you can have a job. <laughs> I was gonna, I was, We're still making less money. I said I wasn't gonna do a southern accent, and I'm and here we are. three seconds in. Rick said my southern accent sounds like if Foghorn Leghorn <laughs> and Paula Dean had a baby... <laughs> Second Paula Dean. Oh, man. Okay. I mean, look. Listen. So, Texarkana is a town that rests on the line between Texas and Arkansas. So, half of the town is in Arkansas and half of it's in Texas. Is that why it's called Texarkana? Uh-huh. That's... Okay. So, technically, it's two cities, but Hold there... Are... It's one city that spans two states. It's both. So it's like this? Yeah. Half and half? Yeah. Can that so happen? Like, do, I guess. Apparently, it depends on like where your house is. Like, I, I'm sitting here right now, and maybe I'm in Arkansas, and maybe you're in Texas. Like, That's very and bizarre. We're in the same city, but we're also not in the same city. It's very bizarre. It's very bizarre. Just like, why did you have to do that? You just made this so complicated. Well, really? Just name them different things. Like, why did... Well, split it where the state ends. <sighs> right. Name one Texarkana and one Connexus. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Okay. So, it was springtime and love was in the air. Jimmy Hollis, 24, and his girlfriend, Mary Jean Larry, 19, had just finished a double date at the movies with their friends and now couldn't wait to break off and be alone. There was a popular Lover's Lane just outside of town. Yeah, what are we learning? Don't go to Lover's Lane. Don't go to Lover's Lane. And the young pair meandered the backcountry roads off to their secluded rendezvous. Unfortunately, they weren't as alone as they thought they were. As Jimmy and Mary were heavily engaged in their necking, a shadowy figure loomed (laughs) over them just outside their car. They were making out. Maybe. You don't have to be so dirty about it. So, shadowy figure loomed over them just outside the car. Jimmy, who had already been nervous since he was supposed to return the car to his dad before midnight, expected to see a police badge extending from the shadow. But as the figure bent down to look inside their car, Jimmy could see that whomever it was wasn't a police officer. This person, this thing, was wearing a canvas hood concealing their face. The figure motioned for Jimmy to exit the vehicle, and just then, the moonlight caused a glare on something the figure was holding. It was a pistol, and the figure was now tapping it on the car window. Jimmy immediately recoiled and shoved Mary backwards as he went. The figure yelled at them to come out now, in a confident, angry, authoritative voice. Jimmy, figuring the mysterious person would kill them if they didn't comply, acquiesced and exited the vehicle with Mary's hand in his her following directly behind him. It was Mary's voice that broke the deafening silence. You can have all the money we have, mister. Just don't hurt us. For a moment, there was no reaction from the faceless attacker. And then, he turned on a flashlight, shining it directly into their eyes. Do exactly as I say, and I won't hurt you. 
Jimmy stuttered a reply, asking what it was that he wanted. The hooded man said, your britches, and he even laughed. He even laughed a little bit. Remove your britches. Jimmy refused, but the assailant insisted. Do it, or I'll kill you. Mary insisted that Jimmy just do as he said. Finally, Jimmy complied, but the hooded man did not keep his promise. Twice, he beat Jimmy with the butt of his pistol, making a sound so ugly and loud the terrified boy believed he'd been shot before falling to the ground unconscious. Now, the shadowy figure had turned its attention on Mary, who quickly began to run towards the thicket of brush nearby. She had almost made it, but to her horror, she felt his hand on her back, and then him pull her backwards against him. He got her onto the ground, pinning her to the earth. She felt his hand go up her skirt, the pistol sliding up her leg. The light of the moon behind her attacker was so bright, it was blinding her. No, that wasn't the moon, it was the headlights of an approaching vehicle. While the assailant had been focused on Mary, Jimmy had woken up and flagged down a car driving by. The hooded man swore under his breath, knowing his time was up. He wasn't about to let this opportunity go to complete waste, and delivered several blows to Mary's face and shoulders with his fists before disappearing into the darkness like a phantom in the night. Both Mary and Jimmy were rushed to the hospital, not understanding just how lucky they had been, because they were only the first of the phantom killer's victims, and would be some of the only ones who would survive. Oh. Fucked up. I hate mm -hmm. it. Okay. The rest of the story isn't so um, theatrical. You had to paint a picture. Mm-hmm. You're such, such a good writer. Oh, thank you. A month later, on March 24th, Richard L. Griffin, 29, and his girlfriend, Polly Ann Moore, 17, were found dead. Huh? Yeah, mm-hmm. Were found dead in Griffin's <laughs> Oldsmobile <Sorry>. sedan, <laughs> parked at the Lover's Lane known as Rich Road, which I believe is actually the same Lover's Lane that um, Mary and Jimmy had been at. Yeah, he's 29, she's 17. Uh, I just needed to hear that again. <sighs> yep, you heard it right. All right. 1946. That's sure. All right. You couldn't, you know, marry someone of a different skin color, but 12 years in age? Pedophilia? That's fine. It's fine. Uh, okay, so the motorist who discovered them believed them to be asleep. Richard Griffin was found on his knees in between the front seats with his head resting atop his crossed hands, his pockets turned inside out. Polly Ann was found sprawled out in the back seat face down. There was a large pool of blood found outside the car, leading police to believe that they'd been killed elsewhere and then placed back inside the vehicle. This blood was found, like, a few feet away. Um, Richard had been shot twice in the back of the head and Polly Ann once. There was plenty of blood pooling at the bottom of the car, even dripping out of the door. Just, you know, for a nice, gory visual. There was a 32 caliber bullet on the ground, surmised to have been shot from a Colt pistol wrapped in a blanket to conceal the sound. By March 27th, the police had interviewed 50 to 60 witnesses, most of whom worked or regularly hung out at the Club Dallas, which was the nearby nightclub, obviously. There was a $500 reward for anyone who could lead to the arrest of the perpetrator, but the only bounty this effort yielded was over 100 false leads. Just a whole bunch of time wasted. So, the next attack occurred on April 13th. Betty Jo Booker was a 15-year-old saxophonist and had been playing her weekly gig with her band, The Rhythm Airs. 
Her friend Paul, 16, had showed up to pick her up from the performance at 1.30 a.m. Uh, 15 and 16-year-olds at 1.30 a.m. in 1946? I wasn't allowed to do this shit in 2006. So what's going on here? What's going on? How? I remember with, um... Why can't I remember their names? Barbara Forrest and... Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. She was out till, like, 4 in the morning. Yeah. And that was in, like... 18-something. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I guess you're right. They were wilding way back. Like, I... What? What? What saxophonist... What band is this that they're playing at 1.30 in the morning? I guess back then this was like swinging like, ooh, did you hear that saxophone band? Ooh. Okay. Unfortunately, this was the last time that Betty Jo and Paul were last seen alive. Paul's body was found at the side of the road the next morning at 6.30 a.m. He had been shot four times. Once through the nose, once through his ribs from behind... Once in the right hand, and finally once through the back of his neck. Your nose? Nose, yeah. Betty Jo was found at 11.30 a.m., a few miles away. She had been shot twice, once through the chest, and once in the face. She was laying on her back behind a tree, her hand inside the pocket of her coat. I don't know why, that just breaks my heart. Paul's car was discovered three miles away from Betty Jo's body, parked outside Spring Lake Park with the keys still inside. Upon inspection, it was apparent that both Paul and Betty Jo had put up a major fight. Six months later, Betty Jo's saxophone was discovered in the brush near where her body had been found. A $1,700 reward was promised to anyone who could provide information about Betty Jo and Paul's murderer, but despite many rumors circulating, nothing concrete was discovered. Now... I watched the movie, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, which is from 1976, that's oh, based on... I'm going to tell you something about this movie right now, and it's going to sound like I'm making it up, and I promise, I swear to God, I can show it to you, it really happened. There's a, there's a scene in the movie with a trombone. There's a scene where the killer, and he's got a sack on his head, remember? Like, yeah. his, his mask looks like a fucking sack. Um, and he has this trombone and he attaches a, he, he, and it shows him doing this too. It's fucking ridiculous. He tapes a knife to the trombone and like tries mm-hmm. to play it. You know, the, the thing that goes in mm-hmm. and out and he goes up to her and like is playing the trombone. And then and, like, as it her? goes out, it stabs her and he's playing the trombone so and stabbing crazy, crazy. her. Well, this happened in the movie. It didn't really happen in real life. Oh, okay. I don't know what crazy idiot they took decided that this would be a good addition to the film. It's not a good movie. It's okay. pretty. It's pretty shitty. Okay. There's a bunch of ridiculous. It makes the whole thing just look like, like slapstick it, comedy almost. It takes away. It's a quote unquote horror film, but. It's so stupid that it makes a joke out of this whole yeah, thing. So and it's the way the severity of it. Yeah. It's got some like smoky in the bandit shit going on. Mm-hmm. Like it's so stupid. It's just disrespectful pretty yeah. much. And I guess there's a remake in 2014 but like why? Just stop. Anyway, that's enough trombone nonsense. On May 3rd, Am I? Is that where I am? <laughs> yes. On May 3rd, 37-year-old farmer Virgil Stark was at home in his living room listening to his favorite radio program sometime around 9 p.m. 
His wife, Katie Stark, 36, was in bed when she heard a noise outside and asked Virgil to turn the radio down. <laughs> She's like, Virgil, I can't hear a damn thing over your scandalous radio program. I told you not to listen to it anyway. You hear those radio programs are of the devil. You should be reading the Bible, Virgil. It's a sin to listen to the radio. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> a few seconds later, just as Virgil opened up the Texarkana Gazette, two shots were fired, hitting him in the back of the head, coming from behind a closed window a few feet away. Katie didn't hear the shots, but heard what she thought was merely a glass breaking. Katie came onto the scene to see Virgil standing up, but as she rushed over to him, he slumped back into his chair, dead. Katie immediately went to the phone to call the police, but she herself was shot twice in the face before she could get through. One bullet went... Oh, this is some gory shit, by the way, so... Your discretion is... Strap yourself in. One bullet went into her right cheek and through behind her left ear. The other went in below her lip, breaking her jaw and shattering several teeth before lodging itself under her tongue. She acted quickly, attempting to get a pistol the couple kept inside the home. But she was blinded by her own blood and couldn't see where she was going. She heard the killer open the screen door, and upon accepting the fact that she was about to be murdered, (laughs) decided she would leave a note. And what would that note say? Like, hi everybody, just wanted to drop a quick line and say hello. Saw a movie in color this weekend. I just love a movie in color. Anyway, gotta go now as I'm being murdered, but say hi to Jill for me. Much love, Katie. (laughs) Anyway, Katie apparently decided to abandon the note idea and just blindly run for her life instead, tearing out the front door and leaving a literal river of blood and teeth in her wake, Ugh, which is my f- so awful. one of my favorite sentences I've ever written. Still in her nightgown and barefoot, Katie ran across the street to her sister and brother-in-law's house. They weren't home, so she ran to another neighbor's house named A.V. Prater. She screamed, Virgil's dead, and then finally collapsed. In what is probably the most Texas act I've ever heard in my life, Prater fired a rifle into the air to summon his neighbor, Elmer Taylor. <laughs> you know, like you do. That's like the bat, like when you call for Batman, you put the little uh-huh. thing. No, instead. When you want Elmer, you shoot your rifle in the air. And I'm sure he came quickly. And he did. Katie was taken to the hospital by her neighbors and recovered from her injuries fully. The next day, the paper read, Murder Rock City Again, Farmer Slain, Wife Wounded. Yeah, low bet. At the scene of the Stark crime, there were three clues. One was the caliber of bullets used, two was a flashlight left behind in the bushes, most likely belonging to the killer, and three bloody footprints tracked around and through the house. Now, this time, a 22 was used rather than the 32 used at the other crimes, but authorities were still convinced that this was the same person. I still don't know why. They just decided that it was. Because it's easier. But they might know more stuff than we do yeah. that they didn't release. Bloodhounds were brought in, but they lost the scent as soon as they reached the highway. Police began going undercover and scouting different local lovers' lanes, but to no avail. And that was another really stupid part of the movie was showing male law enforcement officers dressed up in women's clothing and makeup and making a lot of jokes like men in dresses is so funny yeah 
So just making a circus out of the whole thing. Um, even some of the locals got involved in attempted vigilanteism. One night, an officer noticed a parked car on the side of the road in pitch darkness. He walked up to the car and noticed that it was a couple. He said, I am Tillman Johnson with the Miller County Sheriff's Department. Aren't you scared to be parked out here at night? The girl replied, You're the one that ought to be scared, mister. It's a good thing you told me who you are, as she revealed that she had been pointing a twenty-five caliber pistol at him the whole time. The consensus amongst the 47 officers who were working around the clock on this case, including the Texas Rangers, believed these crimes to be sex-fueled. The front page of the Texarkana Gazette read, Sex Maniac Hunted in Murders. And I bet you the paper that Virgil was, was reading when he got killed was probably had the front page story about this. Of course. So that's fucked up. The very first color photo that the Texarkana Gazette ever published was a picture of the flashlight found at the scene of the Stark murders. A call to action to see if anyone recognized it, as parts of it had been painted red, making it unique. Panic had set in some time after the second slayings, but after the Stark murders, the community was wild with anxiety. While it had been common previously to keep doors unlocked, local stores were now selling out of home were now selling out of home safety equipment at alarming rates. People stopped going out at night and created a ghost town-like atmosphere throughout Texarkana. Liquor stores even started closing at 9.30 p.m. and refused to sell any liquor to people who had clearly already been drinking. Uh Uh-oh. No more business for you. The phone at the police station was ringing off the hook because people were calling in constantly complaining of prowlers at practically any sound they heard, which was usually the wind. Police officers and even locals had to announce their identity from several yards away as they approached someone's home, as most were not hesitating to shoot anything or anyone they didn't recognize coming towards their house. Okay. Um, Also, at one point, um, there was women and children who were moving into like a like a specific hotel that everyone was staying in together because they were so scared. Like if they had husbands that traveled for work and stuff, they all started holding up at this hotel. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about some suspects. Uh, Hundreds of people were questioned in regards to these murders. So I'm only going to talk about the ones that look the most suspicious. So there's one guy who suspiciously tried to sell a saxophone to a pawn shop and a bunch of bloody clothes were found in his hotel room, but he was questioned by police over and over again and everything he said checked out. Uh, I'm not saying he definitely didn't do it, but since his story stayed the same and everything was corroborated, such as his whereabouts at different times and stuff, they couldn't hold him anymore. They said, we have to get the right man or no man at all, which is how it should always be, rather than trying to pin it all on someone just so they can get home in time for dinner. Which they often... It happens all the time. Okay, so there's a man... What? I said that's a whole other issue. Oh, yeah. We could do a whole podcast just on that. There was a man named Yule Swinney that is considered the prime suspect in this case. His girlfriend Peggy told police that he did it, but before they could get him into court, Peggy and Yule got married, and so she could no longer testify against him. Hold on. Mm -hmm. Did she... She what? Did she call in before they got married? Yes, she she reported him before they got married, but uh-huh. I think he pulled some kind of manipulative shit on her. Okay. And forced her to get married, and I, I don't know. I don't okay. Know, I don't know. It's very similar to um, Ted Bundy, right? His girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Who lived... Did they live together? No. no. This was the one that, like, 
She'd been like a longtime friend of his, Mm -hmm. and she was madly in love with him, completely obsessed with him. And yeah, he just used that. But he called, she called the cops a couple times saying, hey, I think it might be. That's the other girlfriend. Oh, okay. The, The girlfriend that he was with for many, many years, she did. She was really fucked up. She she knew something was wrong, yeah. but she was in love with him, so she was just like, ugh. Yeah. yeah, she talked to the cops many times. Yeah. And her book just got reprinted. It was, oh, it was impossible right. to get for that's years right. and years and years, mm-hmm. and now it's being printed again. Interesting. Totally gonna get it. What's this podcast about? What are we doing? <laughs> um, I always feel a need to relate things to other... Well, that's fine. Because it is just like because they're also um, it is very similar to that. Yeah, I feel like there's so many cases that are similar. Um, so Peggy later recanted her story. Um, this whole thing with Yule is really complicated and long. So if you really want to know all the ins and outs about this, you're gonna have to do your own research because everything that like the list of things that. like, made him look guilty is, like, pages long. So, a couple things, though. He had a thirty-two caliber gun at one point. Um, he had something in his possession that said Stark on it. Uh, when police tracked him down and apprehended him, they accused him of stealing cars, which he did do. Um, and he said, don't play games with me. You want me more than just for stealing cars. And when Peggy was tattling on him to the police, she knew too much information about the murders. Like, mm-hmm. That wasn't released to the public. It wasn't coincidental kind of thing. She wasn't yeah. just saying it to say it. So there's just a bunch of stuff that when added up, it's like, uh... Hello. Okay, so now we're going to talk about my favorite part of this case. So this guy, his name is H.B. Duty Tennyson. <laughs> okay. Let's let that sink in for a moment. So... Duty was found dead in his home in Fayetteville, Arkansas, okay. by way of suicide um, via poison. Oh, okay. So there was a note nearby that read, The opening to my box will be found in the following few lines. And a tube of paper is found, rolls on colors, and it is dry and sound. The head removes, the tail will turn, and inside is the sheet you yearn. Two bees mean a lot when they are together. <laughs> These clues should lead you to it. Is this a Mad Lib? Like he said, fucking verb here, noun here, you dude, adjective here. Fuck, is this a haiku? What is this? What? So a note was found inside a fountain pen. Poison was found on the cap. The note inside the pen contained clues to the combination of a lockbox. Now this is my favorite guy. Not in the mood for playing games. The policeman forced the lockbox open. So rather than, like, the notes to something like some other stupid poem about opening the lockbox, and this guy was just like, um, fuck, fuck you. And he just, <laughs> like, just forced it open, which I think is the greatest thing that's ever happened. That guy's my hero. Okay. Inside was a viewmaster with several rolls of film of Mexico and a stack of papers. Under the stack of papers was a note confessing to the Texarkana killings. Now, the note is really, really long, so I'm just going to read part of it. And it says, Why did I take my own life? 
Well, when you committed two double murders, you would too. Yes, I did kill Betty Jo Booker and Paul Martin in the city park that night, and killed Mr. Starks and tried to get Mrs. Starks. You wouldn't have guessed it. I did it when Mother was either out or asleep and no one saw me do it. And he talked a whole bunch about, like, what he did with the guns and where he hid them or what he did and more stuff about, like, leave my this to this person and leave my this to this person. And it was weird and long and stupid. So, Tennyson had written many rough drafts with a pencil and then completed typewritten copies. He had created his own newspaper headlines mentioning his body being found. One read, UA student found dead. Another, UA student commits suicide. Printed words... This is... I'm sorry. This is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Printed words on a sign read, Do not disturb death in the making. He also wrote his own epitaph. This guy's a, this is a Scorpio. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Which read, Here lies H.B. Tennyson. Born February 12th, 1930. Died October 2nd, 1948. What is he then? He committed suicide for the happiness of his family. May he rest in peace. Amen. He was born February? Yeah, but he's got Scorpio somewhere in his chart, I promise. He's no, got to be a Scorpio moon. February 12th? He's a Pace? No. Aquarius? Aquarius. He's way too dramatic to That's be. That's a water sign, isn't it? Uh-uh. No? It's air. Oh. They're known as the bringer of water, which doesn't make any sense, but this is not Astrocast. We're not going to... So, this is the most extra thing I've ever read. I like it. <laughs> he wrote his own headlines. I mean, that This is some sound, shit I would have done in high school. That sounds very serial killer-ish. A little, yeah, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure they all have done that. I mean, Zodiac fucking called and said, this is the Zodiac. <laughs> I killed these people, like... He made his own fucking language. It's like, hi, who am I speaking with? This is the Zodiac. Yeah. Anyway, a friend of old Duty here came forward and said that he and the dudes were <laughs> he, he and the dudes were playing cards on the night of Stark's murders, night of the Stark's murders, and this was just the result of reading too many comic books. I didn't write that. That's what his buddy said. Okay. He did seem to have ties to all the victims in some way, like he was in high school band with Betty Joe, but in a small town, wouldn't you kind of have ties to everybody anyway? Um, I'm trying to figure out how this small town works. I, I don't know. Also, his friends and family said that he didn't know anything about guns and wouldn't have even had access to the kinds used in the killings. So I think we got ourselves another edge lord so here. So was he just crazy, just trying to? I think so. It's so funny to me how many people like to take credit from others. Others it's, like, well, if you live like this really boring life and it's. You know, you, you feel like you didn't amount to anything and nothing interesting ever happened to you and you're just like this worthless pile of garbage, then I guess you feel like, well, I guess people will at least remember my name if I did yes. this. Uh, I want to say even with like the Zodiac, now there's like someone that's trying to claim those crimes as theirs. How many people have taken credit for Jean Bonnet? Like a yeah. hundred. Oh, yeah. There's the brother. But, mm-hmm. I mean... That's a given. But it's weird. It's weird. It's 
sad. It's, yeah. Because could you imagine being a family of one of the victims and you're like, oh my god, it's like we finally caught the person. Yeah, stop doing that. (laughs) Just kidding. He was just bored. (sighs) Yeah. It's not, it's not nice. Don't Mm -hmm. do that. Don't do that. Do literally pretty much anything else. Also, just don't kill. Just don't kill people. Get a hobby. Learn I'm about sure astrology. That's our reoccurring um, theme. Just don't kill. Start. L- learn how to play chess. Mm-hmm. Take up knitting. Maybe not knitting. I feel like you could use those as weapons. Go to an escape room. Created by a. Create a f- an escape room. <laughs> Start reading palms. It's fine. Drink some wine coolers. This is getting away from me. Do they still make wine coolers? Hell yeah. Like um, Seagram's? Yeah. Do they? Bartles and James, bitch. I love it. I remember my mom would drink those. Like, all the women in my family would drink those. Like, when we would have pool days. And I remember growing up, like, oh my god, I can't wait till I'm, like, old enough to drink that. That's, like... That that was my gateway drug. That's what I started on. Yeah. Was it tastes like juice. Mm-hmm. Like what do you expect? I felt like such a badass. I started I'm on like, there's Arbor booze Mist. in here. <laughs> I I drink alcohol. It was good. They're really good. I started on Arbor Mist. They had like a peach wine thing. It was freaking delicious. Yeah, it destroyed your stomach lining. Congratulations. It's fine. Who needs it? Well, anyway, do you have an obsession? Um, I'll think of it. So, who who do you think it was? Do you think it was the guy that had like the ten? Do I think it was the dudes? Yeah, I don't think so. I think I think duty's an edge lord. You think it was the guy that like had the ten pages of evidence against him? I guess maybe it was none of these people. Um, has that that case is obviously still closed or, or still open, right? Yeah, there's some people who think that the Zodiac and the Phantom Killer are the same person. Which I don't. With your description of him, that wouldn't make sense. Yeah, because they're 20 years apart. They are 20 years apart. So I don't think that they're connected, but they do have a lot of similarities. Yeah, like with the flashlight and the Lovers Lane. You and never that. know. One of them, um, Zodiac, could have been inspired. Yeah, it could be a copycat thing. Yeah. Totally. He did do um, a killing, like, prior to the major ones, the one I was talking about in Riverside. Like, that could have been, like, his, like, trial. And, you know, he mm-hmm. could have gotten inspiration or whatever. Sure. What are we talking about? We need obsessions. Um, what are you obsessed with? You shouldn't have Myself. To... Okay. It's my damn birthday cool. month. Oh, no, yeah, I don't know. Um, what's my obsession? What have I been into? What am, what am I doing? Um, have you been creating your own language? In a I have. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's just a bunch of like hearts and stars and lipsticks and hearts, stars, and horseshoes. Yeah. Blue and blue moons. <laughs> Pots of gold and rainbows. And red How do you know? I, just a guess. Just a, <laughs> just a hunch. Um... Let's sit here and think. Okay. What do I do? What do I watch? I don't know. You said you were watching... What were you well, watching? Well, I watched Peaky. I'm oh, you said you were watching out. Peaky Blinders. I'm in and out of that one. Well, it's something. You've never said uh, it before, so you could use that if you want to. Okay. Oh, actually, you know what I will do? Because it just started, and I need to finish it. Um, season three of Big Mouth 
started on Friday, and I got a couple episodes into it, and I love that show. It's very well written. It's strange that I've never seen it. Oh, it's good. Because I'm, like, borderline, totally healthfully, a healthy amount obsessed with John Mulaney. It's My cousin's totally obsessed with John Mulaney. He's amazing. But <laughs> he said, I know I'm amazing. Thank Can you. I help you? Um, He's like, I feel like you guys aren't talking about me, and it's really weird. That can't be right. Um, it's really good, though. You should watch it. There's only one episode that kind of made me uncomfortable. Ew. And it was that they did And I understand why they did it, but I was like, you're still drawing, like, naked girls. Uh-oh. But they were at a spa, and they were like, it's supposed to be, like, a body positive. Like, we all have different bodies. So it was like... You know when you're at a spa, you're almost, like, naked? Yeah. I, I went to a full-on naked spa once yeah. and didn't know that that's what was going yeah. to happen. It's a lot of boobies. Holy shit. A lot of boobies and a lot of shag, I'm sure. You're like... It was very fur-friendly. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, they were talking about how boobs come in different shapes and sizes, and then the girls didn't have shirts, and it was kind of weird. He's, like, right in the mic. Lay down. Remy, lay down. Do you want me to get closer to the mic? Lay down. Lay down. No. No. Remy, look. Lay down. Okay. What's up? Let's do that. Yes. Are you, uh... What's your obsession? Are you done? You're done? Yeah. Okay. Um... Oh. Yeah. I watched the, um, so E! True Hollywood Stories back. <gasps> it is. Did you watch the Nexium thing? No. It was on last night. Oh, was it the E! True Hollywood Story uh-huh. on it? Because they also just did a Lifetime movie about it. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Did you watch it? No. Oh. I want to, though. Cause... I feel like they really didn't go into as much detail as I would have liked. Well, that, I want to listen to I the l- podcast learned, about it. Yeah, I'm going to listen to the podcast. Because there's, all it did was... Was not a word. Um, I feel like all it did was make me more curious about it and want to learn about it more because I'm sure they talked about him. Obviously, mm-hmm. they talked about whatever her name is because she used to be on Smallville. Allison Mac. Mm-hmm. It's creepy. <laughs> he he was like in a relationship with like Hi. twelve women. He was like sleeping with twelve of his followers. You are very needy right now. And I'm uncomfortable. I don't know a whole lot about it. I know it's a sex cult, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I doubt these women join to just have a bunch of sex. Oh, no. No. But that's all I know. This is another case of someone preying on the vulnerable and, and people who want help. It's supposed to be a self-help... Oh, it was? C- ...group. You know what I mean? Like, somewhere where you go and, like... Better yourself. Get confidence yeah. and, like... Make your life better. So, she 100% was guilty. Oh, yeah. Well, the way that someone... Um, There was another guy who was also on Smallville who was talking, and he said that, I totally believe that you can be, like, a victim and a perpetrator the same time. Oh, for sure. So that he thinks that that's what happened to her. Like, Yeah. She was... She was manipulated into manipulating other people. Yeah. So, yeah, she's both. She's guilty, and also she's a victim. Mm-hmm. Which happens a lot. Yeah. Which is very sad. Um, I'm, I'll probably watch it. I'm really curious as to what happened, because their trials weren't that long ago, right? Like, everything's pretty fairly new. Yeah. 
curious, like, what she got. Yeah. What happened to him. Yeah. So, it'll be good to... It doesn't go into a lot of detail, so I just want to... I want to do more research on it now. I'm, well, I know there's a podcast about it. Yeah. I didn't know how to pronounce that fucking word, so ne- I was just... What is it? Nexium. I didn't know Because it's, like, N-V... You know... I thought they were, like, Roman numerals or some shit. I didn't. I didn't know what the fuck it was. It's just some bullshit, like annoying ass way of spelling a word because he thinks it looks really cool. I didn't know what it was either. Like I, when people talked about it, I was like the (laughs) Nibby. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What? Nibia? No. (laughs) You know the Nibia (laughs) cult? That's that's lotion. Never mind. Oops. But yeah. I'll have to, I want to, I definitely want to dive more into it. But yeah, I do know there's a Lifetime movie about it. Because if, if there's one thing. I hope there's really garbage wigs in it. I think there was. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Lifetime does very accurate and true. Oh, do they? Yeah, they're 100% credible. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Good to know. That's why they. Remember always... the Brittany Murphy Lifetime movie? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's all they do is that the was unauthorized. The worst thing I've ever seen, maybe. They do horrible. Hi, I see you. And possibly oh the worst wig God. I've ever seen in my life. Your life is so hard. He doesn't know why you're abusing him. I'm sorry. He doesn't get it. Speaking of her, I just watched Sin City for the the first time the other day. Oh, I love Sin City so much. Anyway, um, before we start rambling on about we're done. nonsense, um. Yeah, so I hope you like Spooktober, whatever we're calling this shit. Uh-huh. Um, Call that, it whatever you want. Yeah. Have it your way. This is not Burger King, okay? <laughs> no. Okay. How dare you? <sighs> I don't know what to do with Ramy right now. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> just just don't, like, don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Um... <laughs> He'll leave in like 30 minutes. <laughs> He'll eventually give up 30 minutes. <laughs> so that's it for us this week. We'll see you next Thursday. That's right. But if you miss us in the meantime, remember, we're always with you in spirit. And love you to death. To death. To death.